What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, I am Tyler Walters alongside my co-host Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. Doing good. We're on, obviously we sound different. We're on Skype today, trying her out for a little holiday break here out of the studio, doing a little remote. Seems to work. Hopefully everything works. Yeah, what do you say? Sure. No, I said trying yeah. something new. Yeah, yeah. We're, hopefully everything works okay. No, no speed bumps. We don't need any of that. Um, but we'll start right at the top here. Uh, Heisman Trophy ceremony last night. Did you watch the whole ceremony presentation thing? Yeah. Nah, uh, usually I watch it like if there's going to be a 30 for 30 or something coming on after it. But yesterday, it was so large of a margin, uh, margin of victory, I assume I didn't even t- pay any attention. Yeah, it was. Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow won uh, LSU. Uh, good win for for. Joe Burrow, but like you said, we all saw it coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the thing that with the ceremony that's so annoying to me is you sit down to watch the ceremony. The ceremony comes on at eight, and you don't get to know like they don't officially announce who wins until nine o'clock. It's, yeah, it takes way too long. <laughs> and uh, like you know, you, you go through the whole ceremony. They do a little little short video uh like two minutes or so of each contestant and then tom rinaldi interviews them uh and then they go to the next contestant and they maybe throw in a piece of heisman history but like we don't really like need all of that like it was cool to see um joe burrow's parents and jalen's parents but like jalen's a pretty boring interview like he's just not He's not like he's not going to really give you much. That's just who he is. Um, they had this weird thing where they were in Times Square together, and like I, I could tell, like it, Holly Rowe was the uh, she's an ESPN sideline, like one of the probably the greatest sideline reporter of all time. I love Holly, but I feel like ESPN put her in an awkward spot where like they took her out to Times Square with the uh, where she took the contestants, the finalists, out to Times Square, and was like had to ask them questions about what it was like just being in New York. And it, it was just so weird. I, I didn't like, I, I like, I thought it was like, Burl was like, Oh, I, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's weird to have your face on a billboard. And like Jalen was like, I, I don't have much to say. And then they were like, well, what are your goals? And Burrow was like, well, I mean, they started with him and he was like, well, I mean, we play like, they were like, Holly was like, what are your goals going forward? He's like, well, we, play a national championship semifinal here in like two weeks. So my immediate goal is to win. So, it, I mean, it was just like awkward and I didn't, it felt forced. And that was like a lot of the ceremony was like, uh, let's get these kind of awkward interviews with these four guys um, who all know that Burrow is about to win the Heisman. Um, and it's just like, they're not, they're not TV guys. Like they're athletes. Like, I don't want to see them like, on TV the entire time. Like, they just want to, like, show up and, like, enjoy the night. And I guess, like, but none of those guys are, like, huge TV guys. Like, I mean, I guess, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, it was just a little awkward. I think you make a very good point there. And it's, like, also they know that they're not about to win. So it's, like, you could do all this, that, and the third. But we all know he's going to be the winner. 
And then also, like, I remember years back when Jabril Peppers won it, it was like, okay, he's kind of a TV guy. So it's like he kind of works the persona, but these guys are none of which are really like that. Um, definitely think, like you just said, Jalen Hurts most definitely is not like it. And so it ended up being that Joe Burrow finished with the largest margin of victory in Heisman history with 1,846 points, which is obviously large from the second guy. So it's like, we're, we're here like we know what this is about really we're here for the ceremony or whatever and then to get ready like you said to go play in the uh semifinals yeah it it was i don't know like i thought it was weird i mean i guess it is i guess the first time that um all the finalists are going on to play in the college football playoff the college football playoffs only existed for a short time but uh yeah it, it was like all these guys like have to compete against each other very soon um but we'll get into what you just talked about, the largest margin of victory ever for a Heisman winner, because I want to talk about that for, for a minute. Uh, so Jer Burrow got 90.7% of first place votes. Um, like, how... I, I don't get, like, this year arguing for anyone else. Like, if you didn't vote for Joe Burrow, who is the 9.3% not voting him first place? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't understand either. It's like, it is funny because it's like, I guess occasionally it's like this easy consensus. But it's like, yeah, it's nobody even up there. It's like everybody else. I think this happened in the NBA one time, the NBA MVP. I think Shaq was talking about he was mad about it because it's like, y'all know it was me. The person who's doing that doesn't vote me is just being a butthole at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like the same like cocky sports writer attitude of like, ah, we're not, I just don't want to give you the satisfaction of getting 100%. Like, it is so annoying. Like baseball writers are the most notorious for it, right? We just had the entire history of baseball in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like the most like storied and like uh, statistically driven sport uh, in America, in like the longest history of of sport in America, like big profession of the professional sports, the Big Four. Um, and you like they're just now with Mariano Rivera, what, a year, two years ago, was he the first guy to get in unanimously? Like, you telling me, like, Babe Ruth didn't get in, like, unanimously? Like, it's a hall of, like, Mickey Mantle, like, basically anyone who played for the Yankees, you know, for before the year 2000. And, like, um, like other guys now, like, you, you can't, like, it's just so annoying. So, like, when David Ortiz goes in and, uh, a couple years here. I guess he's up for the ballot. What his last year was 2016, so he'll be up for like 2021. I think he can go in. So you have to be retired five years before you can be entered on the ballot. Like we all know, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, but he's not going to get voted unanimously just because certain writers don't want to give him the satisfaction of being named a unanimous Hall of Famer. Like this should be a common thing. Like it shouldn't be a big deal. You just vote right. the guy in. Like. And it's the same thing with the Heisman. Like, you know Joe Burrow had the best season of any college football player this year. So instead of, like, trying to make it like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to give him the Heisman uh, vote. He won't get my vote. Just, dude, did you watch football this year? Like, Joe Burrow is easily the best player on the field throughout the year. Like, vote him number one. He was number one. Just vote him number one. I don't get it. Uh, and then the next thing, like, going off of that, he was named on 95.5% of the ballots. How can, as a Heisman voter, you were telling me there were 4.5% of Heisman voters didn't put his name on their ballot? Like, you should not be allowed to vote for this kind of thing if that's the kind of crap you're going to do. It's so it's just frustrating. And I think yeah. as fans, we look at it and we're like, uh, 
like, like you just don't understand it. Like, use common sense. It's so yeah. annoying. It's the same argument. Like, the people just don't want to do it just to just to not do it. Yeah, because it makes you think. Yeah, exactly like that. This makes you think, like, bro, if you think that he should be on there, you're either not watching the games. If you're not watching games, you shouldn't be voting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and and I, I mean, I think if you like in a year like this, if you right now, if you're the Heisman committee, go find the people who didn't vote for Joe Burrow like at all, didn't name him, and just ban them from voting ever again. Like, ban them from watching the Heisman race. Like, ban them from voting on it. Don't let them watch college football anymore. Just ban them from the sport. Um, I'd love to see that. Like, you should not be allowed to vote and just do do stuff like that. Um, did you see Joe Burrow's speech after after he won? I heard parts of whenever he was like Coach O, and it was really deep, that part. when He he made a good point. He's like, I didn't barely play for three years, and you gave me the keys to the, orga- to the organization or whatever, being LSU. And I was like, yo, that that's really deep now that you think about it. It's like... Because he wasn't even that – I mean, he was recruited, but he wasn't very highly recruited. And it's like, yo, I'm looking to transfer, and he gives him the opportunity, and he makes the most out of it. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I watched the ceremony uh, here with uh, producer Brendan and uh, my girlfriend, and, and they were both kind of saying, uh, like, we're you're not going to get any emotion out of Burrow because he's, like, not that kind of guy. And, like, you just look at him, and he's just, like – he's straight-faced. Like, he's kind of – like, he's, like – uh, I mean, I guess he, him and Jalen are similar in the fact that they were not going to give you much. Uh, Burrow does have fun, like in his post game press conferences every now and then with the media. Like he'll say some like kind of funny remark and he'll get a laugh and he'll smile. But he's not like a super like you can kind of tell when he's on the stage like with national media, he's more like reserved. I want to say, um, and yeah, like I just didn't expect him. He gave a phenomenal speech, and I. I don't really, I'm not a big speech person. Like, I don't need to see, like, I'm not a big fan of acceptance speeches. They're all kind of weird. And it's weird position to be put in, right? Because you have to, like, give a speech for something you're being awarded. Um, and it's just kind of awkward to be put on that stage when you're not a public speaker. And then if you're being awarded something, unless it's a public speaking award, like, you're not a public speaker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he did a, a fantastic job. And then, like, he, him just talking about, you know, uh, like, A, I thought it was cool that after he stood up, they announced his name as the Heisman winner of 2019. He gives a, you know, a hug to all his LSU coaches, like talks to him and then walks over to before he gets to the stage, Ryan Day, Ohio State's uh, head coach, and, you know, gives him a hug and says what's up to some of the other Ohio State coaches. And I thought that was really cool. And he mentioned them in his speech. Um which I was like, you know, for it's weird to hear someone say thank you to Ohio State and LSU for kind of changing like two different colleges. Uh, that's going to, I think, I mean, obviously now with the transfer portal, like this is Joe Burrow's the first like guy to kind of do this like in a big name transfer. I mean, a Baker was a transfer and so was Kyler, but the like their transfer story wasn't as big as Burrow's has been. Um, like it'll, I think like it'll become more common like this transfer th- thing and uh like guys accepting speeches but it was cool to hear him say like thank you to ohio state and like you can tell like all the ohio state fans on twitter like when i see them they interact with lsu fans like very well they're like you know you guys like you enjoy joe like we think he's a great kid like we're gonna root for him um i mean obviously they won't if ohio state and lsu 
play in the college football championship. Like they won't be rooting for Burrow that day, but like yeah, it, it's still, yeah, it's still kind of cool to like see that interaction between like the fans and um and, and Joe Burrow and like Ohio State and LSU fans kind of like connecting over this one dude. So I thought it was it was interesting to see him thank both of them, and you can tell like. Like I got the feeling from watching that, like he wanted to be the guy at Ohio State, and I think you know, like when he first left, it was probably tough on him, but now I feel like he's really made his peace with it, and he's just thankful for the opportunity he got at Ohio State to even be considered as a transfer to LSU because he wasn't like a super highly recruited guy out of high school. Yeah, I would probably say it's interesting. Like, what, like I think you said before, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like in the moment, it's like, man, I can't believe this is happening. But and it's like, well, let me transfer out and just for an opportunity to go to LSU. But then whenever it works itself out, and it's like, then when you realize if I would have been Ohio State, I don't know if I even would have been up on the stage. So then you really appreciate it. But going through it, whenever you're living out the story, is never as good as the conclusion, obviously. Yeah, I thought that part like of him like talking about that was pretty cool. Uh, and then, um, like the the thing with Coach O, dude, it almost it almost got me. Like it almost brought a little tear to the eye. Like seeing Coach O, you know, Joe Joe Burrow's up there, like bawling his eyes out. Uh, didn't know we were gonna get tears out of him. And then you see, I mean, but it's been a long journey for this kid. And then like you see uh, him say to Coach O, like he says Coach O, and he just stops and he couldn't get the words out. And he says, you know, you know, you have no idea what you mean to my family. And he like, that's pretty much like all he could get out. And like just seeing Coach O with like, I like I, you couldn't really see a tear in his eye. But like you could tell like it was the most emotion that Coach O could give like yeah. on that side of the, the emotion like spectrum or whatever. Like he's a big hype up guy, but like the the kind of the happy tears like that's about all you're going to get out of Coach O. But it was he had a little sparkle in his eye little dust up there that was pretty cool yeah i was about to say even his wife was probably like you've touched him like like because even she probably hasn't seen him but so much of it but it's like yep yep you got him you got him with this one you know what i'm saying so yeah for sure uh that that was just pretty pretty cool to see coach o kind of put in that spot like he knew it like they knew it was coming um but yeah he gave a he did give a great speech um but the coach o go back to coach o real quick He's definitely catching on to the whole, like, you know how he ends his interviews, like, go Tigers, like, every time. Like, he, he's catching on that that's a thing now. Because I don't know if you saw him, like, the clip of him with Maria Taylor last night. But she definitely, like, set him up for it, like, to, like, oh, we, we know you're going to say it. And, like, I think, like, three weeks ago, the reporter, it was sometime during the game, the reporter pulled away the mic before he could say it. And I was so, I was so pissed because he says it at the end of every interview. He just says, go Tigers. Real quick, and that's it. But Maria, like, definitely was like, "All right, Coach, like, you know, like, you know, you got to say it, like, it's coming." And then she just waits and holds it up, and uh, he lets it rip, and and the whole crowd kind of gives a chuckle. But like, you could tell the look in his face, like he knew that, like, he knows now that his go tigers is a thing. So yeah. he's waiting on people to react for it. That was that was pretty funny to me. Yeah, that's dope. It's funny. Like, he came in, obviously, LSU. A lot of people didn't really know. I mean, we knew about LSU, but we didn't expect him to be this good this year. And, like, now he's almost, like, kind of, like, almost has, like, a trademark thing that he kind of does. And he says it a little bit differently, obviously, with his voice, too. And so when he says it, everybody loves it. And, by the way, also, he took on the Home Depot Coach of the Year Award. Yeah, he did. Uh, and and AP, uh, so Burrow's got a stack of awards right now. Uh, Coach O, I think, definitely deserved – Coach of the year, um, completely just rerouting how 
an entire football program has is thought of. Like we think of LSU, what do you think of? You think of nasty defense, um, and good playmakers on the edge and stuff. But like not like quarter. You don't think of quarterbacks. I mean, you got you had Jamarcus Russell, but like it. It pretty much that's like the in Matt Flynn won you a national championship, but like Matt Flynn wasn't. He was really good in college, but he definitely wasn't winning the Heisman. Um, yeah, LSU's like, thought of as or not like Joe Burrow was. Like run the play, yeah. LSU's kind of thought of as run the ball, play good defense, have extreme play playmakers on the outside. But any you probably don't even uh, you may play an SEC championship game one out of the four years, but you're kind of the little dog to Alabama. So he's completely changed the course. And we're talking about a complete air raid at this point. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a prolific offense, and credit to you know Joe Brady. Obviously, they're what is he the passing game coordinator? Um, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so for just changing that thing around, uh, he was in New York last night uh, with, with Burrow and the crew. Um, and that was pretty cool. Um, it was interesting to, like, hear his parents, like, kind of what they say. Like, his dad is a, a long-time, like, high school football or high school college football coach. He was the coach at Ohio University. Um, he, he said, you know, this is the first time this year he retired from Ohio as their coach to go move to Louisiana and watch Joe play a season. It's the first time in 56 years he hasn't been on a football field, you know, coaching or playing. Um, I mean, that was just cool. Like, Jesus moved to Louisiana to watch his son. Uh, so, and these two older brothers played football. Um, big football family. And it's cool to see Joe was kind of the least, like, thought of guy coming out of high school of his family. And now he's, like, the, you know, cream of the crop. He's, he's top-notch. Yeah, he's top dog. Two things. I think he was a defense. His uh, dad was a defensive coordinator, to be specific. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. And that would actually make a lot of sense if for Joe to be a quarterback. I'm sure with his dad not coaching, it's like, okay, let me show you the coverages. Because he's a defensive coordinator, so he probably goes over the film or whatever he does. But, okay, this is what we should look for here because he could kind of give his son the mind of what a defensive coordinator would be thinking, even adjusting as the season went on. And the offense obviously got better and better. Also, you mentioned earlier all the awards that uh, Joe Burrow left with. He left with, uh, obviously, the Heisman, the Maxwell Award, the Davey O'Brien Award, the Walter Camp Player of the Year, and Associated Press Player of the Year. So he obviously just got him a new trophy case. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to – if he didn't have one before, or if he had one before, he, he's going to have to throw a few new shells in there. Uh, but just to recap the, the Heisman rankings real quick, um, Jalen Hurts finished second. Um I don't. That didn't really surprise me. Uh, Justin Fields third. Chase Young got a good, like. Chase Young got the most first place votes other than Joe Burrow. He got twenty. Uh, Hertz got twelve. Um, but he finished. He finished fourth in the total rankings. And then you had Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. So three Ohio State guys right there in the top five um, or the top six. Four of the top six Big Ten guys. Big big year for for the Big Ten. Um, Trevor Lawrence seven. The three guys who voted for uh, Trevor Lawrence to uh, as first place in the Heisman, I mean, come on, are you serious? <laughs> Does it, you can't with the quarter like quarterbacks are obviously set up to win the Heisman just because they they control like they get the ball every snap. Um, so I mean, and they have rushing and passing yards. It, it just sets up for quarterbacks to win. Really? Uh, but like you look at the. He has three quarterbacks above him who just had fantastic seasons from top to bottom. Um, 
I thought that was a bit much. And then Chuba Hubbard at eight, Travis Etienne at nine, and, and two at ten, uh, who also received a first place vote, which was, I, come on guys, let's let's not let's not throw <laughs> throw away the integrity of the vote. Um, but yeah, oh, there was this is that's what I want to tell you back when you were talking about you know Joe's dad being a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, two of the greatest defensive minds of all time. The two, in my opinion, the two greatest coaches of all time, Belichick and Saban. There's a doc on HBO that just came out on the two Excuse of them and the art of coaching. Yeah, did you did you watch it? No, I keep looking at it. I just finished watching the. Um, oh I just man, watching uh, what is the thing called that LeBron, your your guy LeBron does on uh, the shop. And <laughs> the, I the saw shop. HBO and I was and I was on HBO and I saw it and I've already bookmarked. It. I'm probably gonna watch it tonight. But what about it? Yeah, my guy LeBron. Yeah, come on. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it, dude, it's fantastic. Uh, producer Brendan and I watched it the other night. It, it's incredible. Just like they all the, it's basically just about Belichick and Saban getting together. Like obviously they have a history together. You know they were at the Browns together. Um, and like they all they talk about, like you would think they talk about like you know hanging out or like fishing or something like. All they talk about is football. Like they had a hidden camera on in Nick Saban's office. Like the second Belichick walked into uh, the office to start this thing, Belichick says, "Hey, you guys, scram, get out of here, so we can catch up for a few seconds." Make him turn the cameras off. HBO leaves like a hidden camera on. Just straight starts football talk. Like, no, hey, how you been? Like, just so I saw you guys ran this coverage against that, and like, just it's exactly what you think they are. Like, they are football guys, top to bottom. It's it's incredible. Like. You, I like the fact that HBO left it like. Obviously, you have to dumb it down a little bit for for viewers who you know uh, just want to watch a, a doc and aren't as you know football centric as uh, the lead block are, but lead block hosts are. But it like they left so much good, just like football stuff that like you can learn in there. Um, I thought it was incredible, and I like if you have HBO. Go watch it. If you don't, go find somebody's password and watch it. Uh, it's incredible. It is really good. You got to watch it. It sounds like almost the epitome. You know, like whenever, like, why, let's say Sabian comes with his wife, Bill Belichick comes with his wife. Ms. And it, like, it sounds like the epitome of them being like, we're not going to talk football all day. And it's like, all right, fine, fine. You know, we'll talk about other things. And then it's like, okay, so what you think about cover three? And it's like, are you serious? But I could definitely see that being there. And it's crazy to see. Okay, so with they've been very successful with the game coaching and stuff. Kind of how kind of obsessive you have to be in order to kind of get to that level. Yeah, yeah, they t- they do talk about that. Uh, Saban talks about it like a good bit, you know, with the the amount of like sacrifice and like family time you lose. Um, and they're like, look, like you know, my family has supported me through all of this and blah blah blah. But like he's like, you if you want to be the best, like you like it has to be twenty four seven, like nonstop, three sixty five, like. No days off. It's funny. It's funny you say that because uh, I've been I've really been into the whole uh, uh, consuming content. I guess you could say because I can't really move around too much. But oh yeah, (laughs) Stephen A. Smith. He was on Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. They have a podcast called All the Smoke. And Stephen A. Smith was like he feels like one of the reasons he feel like he's never been married is because like chasing the whole journalism thing, becoming the best at it. 
you're you're always like focused on what's next and maybe not as much so on like your partner or your family or things of that nature. Yeah. Even Urban Meyer talked about that being a problem for him too. So it's like if you're gonna get it, like you might get it, you might have to sacrifice a lot, but it depends, I guess, what's like, you know, if what's really worth it and all the other things that come with that. I uh, I knew Matt Barnes had a podcast. I didn't know it was called All the Smoke. That is the most Matt Barnes <laughs> podcast name of all time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just could not be more fitting to Matt Barnes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that it, it was it was really good. Also, um Miss Terry, Miss Terry Saban. Uh I don't think Nick's ever called her Terry any any time he calls her Miss Terry. Um Miss Terry is like ride or die. Like she loves, 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 loves uh Nick and like football, like she is. I honestly, honestly, if you're a school out there, like looking to make a little splash, like hire a head coach, maybe, maybe call up Miss Terry. Uh, she, she knows enough at this point, dude. She's in a good part of the, that doc, and and she's like really good at it. That's kind of the first time I'd ever like listened to Miss Terry or anything like ever seen too much with her. Like you see her on game day or whatever every now and then. Um, like they show her or something, but yeah, like listening to her talk about like uh, Nick and the two, like and Bill Belichick and like their relationship and stuff um, on and off the field. It, it was, it, it was, she was fantastic in it. And she was so excited to talk about football the whole time. I mean, I love, I would love to have like just a full set of like, uh, like a mini series of Miss Terry stories about Nick Saban and football and like all their ex- her experiences. I mean, it would be incredible because she gave some really good story, uh, really good stories throughout the doc. Um, and yeah, it was funny because you could tell the the HBO did a really good job. They would ask Belichick about something that that would happen between him and Nick or whatever, something they talked about, and then they would get Miss Terry's perspective on it, and they would tell the same story, and it was funny. And like Miss Terry, kind of like. Uh, definitely has more emotion about it than Bill Belichick does. You know, he just kind of <laughs> says, well, you know, like we just got to talk about football and she's, she kind of, you know, explains what they talk. It was really good, really good documentary. If I think it's called like Belichick and Saban, the art of coaching or something like that. Really yeah. good. Go watch that. Um, we'll move on from that stuff. Go to army Navy, uh, Saturday. Did you watch this game? No, I didn't even pay any attention to it. I don't know what I was doing on Saturday, but I, I thought about, I was like, I know Tyler's watching it though. Uh, you're wrong. So what? I watched. Yeah, I I wanted to watch it. Uh, my dumb brain. Um, for some reason, somewhere this week, I saw Army Navy four o'clock. Boom. I guess I looked at Central Standard Time because the game definitely started at three. Uh, and I turned it on. I turned it on. It was like I, I didn't kind of turn in too late. Tune in too late. But I really wanted to watch all the pregame stuff. Uh, so I turned on at like 3.15 to, to catch the pregame stuff. Boom, that's ended there, you know, four minutes into the first quarter. Um, and then I watched a little bit of it, and then I had some Christmas shopping to do. So I knocked that out Saturday. But, uh, yeah, it was – so I w- went back and, and watched a bunch of recaps and stuff. And uh, Navy just – I kept checking up on my phone, and uh, I was going to turn it on my phone while I was out, you know, uh, checking out the fine establishments like Target and Kohl's uh, and Academy Sports Saturday. Uh, but yeah, it, it just wasn't close enough for me to watch. Um, Navy won 31-7. Uh, their quarterback, I, I caught the end of it too, but their quarterback, um, Malcolm Perry, Navy's, 304 yards. I think it's the second most 
rushing yards by an, a Navy um, player ever in a game, like per game, on 29 carries, 10 and a half yards a carry. That's a first down a carry. That is insane. When I looked at the stat line, I see Chance Warren had one uh, attempt throwing one 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 for one yard, one touchdown, and then I see this Malcolm Perry. That's efficiency right there. Do you remember when Lee Corso and I can't think of the other guy, Mark May used to I think it's Mark May used to do helmet stickers. Do you remember that? They used to do uh, like- no, what not um not Lee Corso, um Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz and Mark May. Yes. And Reese yes. Davis. And a helmet sticker. That is a day. I, I used to love that. I used to watch him on Sunday mornings. I always see it. And I'm like, oh, he deserves a helmet sticker. I'm like, I don't even show it anymore. But give Malcolm Perry a helmet sticker. He got off the bus and he was ready to play. Dude, people talk uh, a lot of crap about Lou Holtz and Mark May as they look back. I, I hear that a lot. Like people didn't like him. They were so entertaining. Like I don't watch college football final like ever now. Really, like yeah. I'll watch it if I had to miss like if I had to miss an hour or two uh, during the day to go out to do something. And I, I had to break from my thirteen or fourteen straight hours of college football uh, watching on Saturdays like I normally do. I'll watch college football final and make sure I kind of catch up on a couple plays that I missed from the day before. But it's just not like I don't even know who does it now. It, it's not like it's not that it's bad. Like it's good for like in, informative reasons. But like it used to be like really funny because you had these two like bumbling idiots on there talking about football. Uh, Lou Holtz, obviously the most like, you know, maybe the most famous lisp of all time. Yeah. Um, like and Mark May, just a, a crazy guy. Uh, the two of those two dummies just talking about football and Reese Davis trying to corral him. Like it, it was like, I thought it was funny. I always thought it was funny. I got a kick out of watching the two of them. Uh, and, and Reese, it, it was, it was really good. It's not what it, not what it was then. Um, but obviously like those guys are getting old, like Lou Holtz has got to be, you know, 185 years old at this point. Um, yeah, he's definitely getting up there. Yeah. And, and I don't know Mark May's reason for leaving ESPN or what happened there, but yeah, it was I, I like I used to like it. I, I miss it a little. But uh yeah, just Army Navy, clean old fashioned, run game, like no one throwing the ball, which is always kind of fun to watch at the end of the year. Like it's a nice like flashback for the people who like like football. This is like or like the older guy. Like this is a game you sit with your grandpa and, and watch and it was a game that he saw when he was a kid. That was the same thing. And it's like all right, like, yeah, you know, we have spread offenses now and we have Mike Leach throwing the ball for 85 times a game and, and stuff like that. And Joe Burrow with like nearly 50 passing touchdowns. But we also have Army and Navy. Navy, you know, top 25 team in the nation, by the way, just running the football 80,000 times a game and just smash mouth football. Really good. Good good uniforms from, from both sides this week. I, Army, Navy, and Air Force, too. Uh, always do like a really like I mean obviously they have a lot of options because they have a lot of cool stories because you can just take one piece of their their military branch and like highlight it on a jersey which yeah. is what they usually try to do um, yeah good uniforms the helmets from Navy I when I first saw them in the pictures I, on Twitter I didn't know if I'd like them I kind of liked them they I had this like I guess they were supposed to I don't know what they were supposed to look like but they looked like an old leather beat up helmet but they were new ones um, and then Army was. First, I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm not going to say what it was, but they signified some certain unit of the, the army uh, and, and used that as a uniform theme for this week. They were really good looking. Loved loved the army's helmets. Um, yeah, really good game as as usual. Uh, 
you know, just incredible crowd in, in Philly. Um, kind of dwindled out at the end, which was surprising to me. Last year, last year was snowing like crazy. It was a snow game. Yeah. Uh, that was, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wait, is this game played at uh, the Link? Where Link in the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Lincoln Financial. Uh, I think next year it goes to New York or something, and then it's coming back to Philly. They, they, they're bouncing around um, here over the next few years, I think. But yeah, Army, Navy, Navy 31, Army 7, uh, Navy minus 10 covered there, and now Army has lost their three-game winning streak to Navy, so back to uh, back to losing for Army. They finished, what, 5-8 and eight on the season? Navy, pretty good year. Like I said, they're top Top twenty, top. They were twenty one going into Saturday. Um, I imagine they'll stay at twenty one. Can't imagine I'm leapfrogging anyone because no one played. Um, yeah, they're net. Navy is now ten and two. By the way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So we have uh, on the docket here. We got South Carolina Clemson basketball. Uh, they're playing right now as we're recording. Um, and I got it on in the background here, and they're on a commercial, and I'm looking at my computer while I'm recording, so I haven't been keeping up. But the last time I looked, it was tried. Anyway, USC 6-4 coming in, Clemson 5-4. Uh, uh, South Carolina could use this game. I, I mean, I haven't really turned on into college basketball mode. Um, I'm not a huge basketball like guy, obviously, but the college basketball, like I, it's been a few seasons since I've really like watched just a full season. Um, it, it's hard with all the football going on, but you know, it, it's getting to the time. Like we get to start conference play next month. Um, uh, like we're, we're really starting to churn out right now. And South Carolina lost to, uh, Boston university at home. They lost to Wichita. got smoked. They had a little tough stretch there. Uh, a game on the road at Clemson, who was a pretty good team last year. Um, not so much this year. They're five and four coming in. Um, and like you could use this win to kind of boost morale, you know, beat Clemson, beat your rival, and go forward and kind of leapfrog into the rest of your out of conference schedule as you get ready for conference play here in the next month. Um, and they started real hot last year in conference play. Had a rough, you know, pre-conference schedule or uh, first part of the season, and then they started what nine and zero in conference play in the SEC last year. South Carolina did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Frank Martin's got to kind of, he got to find a win here on the road in Clemson and take them to the next level because South Carolina, like the morale and Twitter and and around you know the South Carolina basketball program, isn't isn't quite there right now. And fans are looking for something because because the football team was just so underwhelming this year, uh, or just not even underwhelming, just bad, just flat out bad. They were bad. Um, didn't win. And fans are searching for something to grip onto. And if you're Frank Martin and you're the basketball team, like that, that should motivate you. Like that should get you going. And uh, like you, you got to find a way to win this game. Yeah, I was about to say this is kind of your time to shine. South Carolina is currently up 28-26 at the half. By the way, and also, uh, yeah, uh, you, you know who won by now. But like South Carolina, like this is a game you got to win. Yeah, and with uh, I think Clemson was expecting. Tevin Mack, uh, who transferred in from Alabama to have a little bit more of an impact than what he has, kind of being the go-to guy on the team. Right now, he's averaging 13 points per game. So we'll see as his conference play progresses if he like emerges or whatever he decides to do. But he is from the local Drew High School. Yeah, he went. Yeah, he went to Drew, right, right here in Columbia. Yeah, like literally, probably about 10 minutes from USC. I'm looking now. I saw this. Yeah, Wofford. Uh, Wofford 
I just saw this like right as we were starting the show. Wofford beat North Carolina just what? now. 68-64. Yeah. Why does North Carolina's got to quit scheduling Wofford? They struggle with them every year. They just beat them like two years ago, I think. And they struggled with them last year. Uh, would you just quit scheduling Wofford? Wofford's like a good program. Now their coach just left and he's at Virginia Tech now. Um, who's having a, a decent season, I think. They, I saw they had a few big wins. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, I mean, it just kind of shocks you when North Carolina loses to Wofford. Like seeing those two things don't don't correlate. Yeah, especially when it happens, like, not not like it's consistently, but, like, when it happens more, the first time's a hiccup. But at the same time, it's like, all right, like, let's, yeah, athletic director, let's make some calls. Let's go ahead, because otherwise, as we know, we're paying them to beat us, I guess you could say, to hurt us in the standings or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, moving on from a little bit of basketball talk. Um, Jemias Williams, South Carolina, former South Carolina defensive back, is transferring to Georgia State. Yeah, um, that's correct. Yeah, you were telling me about this the show before the show before we started here because I, for some reason I didn't see it. Um, I guess it's been hiding under a rock this weekend. But yeah, Jemai, like this, this kind of surprised me. Um, he, he's going to Georgia State to be coached by former South Carolina offensive line coach, former South Carolina interim head coach, um, Sean Elliott. Uh, who's building a pretty good team out there? They beat Tennessee this year. I think they finished seven and five. Pretty good, pretty good um, Sun Belt team, Fun Belt. Um, but yeah, I thought Jemias would take a shot at a bigger school than Georgia State. I wonder what the case. I'm really just like wondering. Hopefully, I get in contact with him so I can ask him. Like, was it the fact that they weren't recruiting him, or has he felt the need that he could go and play right away at Georgia State? Although he's going from FBS to from um, FBS to FCS, does he? I don't. Does no, he, they're they're FBS. They're FBS. Oh, they're FBS. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he still. During the uh, say that again. So he still has to sit out of here. Yeah, he should have to. I, I'm not sure though. They changed all these rules. I'm pretty sure he has to sit out. I don't know that for sure though. Um, but yeah, I know he got the red shirt this year. But yeah, they're in the same conference with uh, Georgia Southern, Appalachian State. Um, who else is in that conference? Coastal Carolina is in the Sun Belt now. Uh, I think Arkansas State's still in there. They they changed around the Sun Belt a good bit in the last couple of years as teams have moved to the FBS from the FCS. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like they had a pretty good year this year. So Sean Elliott's really doing pretty good out there. I mean, he has a couple of good seasons. He could find he could wind up at a you know a mid major school coaching somewhere like a like a, a bigger state program. Uh, than Georgia State. Yeah, that one kind of shocked me. Um, other Gamecock football news. A couple more Gamecock football news things. To carry on, Joyner. Um, I know you said you hadn't seen this yet. He got awarded. I, I think this is just... I, the only reason I want to talk about this, I, he got awarded by the Gamecock football program. They had a gala or gala, whatever you call it, or um, banquet. There we go. They had a banquet last night, I guess. Uh, the most unselfish teammate for to carry on this year, which is... I. From the outside looking in, I cannot imagine a guy more fit to win this like award um, because of the stuff to carry on has has kind of gone through here, and he wants to play, and he has got on the field, but it, we've never really seen to carry on play a football game, and we've talked about in the past like how I just don't think South Carolina is going to design an offense for to carry on, which is what you would need for to carry on. Let like you have when you have a a quarterback who's that athletic. Uh, and, like, it, he does have some mechanical throwing issues, but he you have to design around that. You can't plug him in as a pocket passer. 
That's not who he is. Um, and you don't get, you get like 60% of to carry on instead of a hundred percent of to carry on. Uh, if you kind of plug him into this offense that South Carolina is running, I, I'm still waiting on him to announce his transfer. I feel like that's coming. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and it's interesting because like, uh, his account is like black and stuff. Usually when stuff like that happens, either if it's like a social cause or whatever, but yeah, it's, it's like, I don't really attention right now. He's gone dark. Yeah, but and it's so ironic though that he would. By the way, the connection went out for a little while. There. That's why I wasn't responding. But uh, usually, like while you're waiting on this little trial period, or whatever, I'm sure coaches have been like contacting him and this that, and the third. But what I was saying was the irony is he wins that award, and so it's like, oh yeah, he's very unselfish. That's why he's coming back. So it's gonna be really interesting to see if he ends up coming back or not. He hasn't really shown of any signs that he's leaving. But it's just like if you maybe read between the lines, it's like hmm, there could be something. Whether it's smoke, there could be fire. Yeah, I yeah I agree with you. I, I'm I'm fully expecting that, uh, but that's just speculation. Um, and, and we'll see with the carry on. Like you said, his Twitter account now is Abby is is black. Um, his I think his banner is black too. Uh, yeah, and to carry on is is he had an interesting tweet the other day. I think we I think we mentioned it on Monday show. I can't remember. He said you know this is supposed to be yeah. my home state. Um, so whatever that means, I'm not sure. Maybe that's a little in-between-the-lines message there. Uh, but to future South Carolina quarterback, Luke Doty, won, or he was named Mr. Football in South Carolina this weekend. Uh, three straight Mr. Footballs for South Carolina. So you had Carrion, obviously, two years ago. He signed here. And then Zach Pickin signed with South Carolina, who was 2018 Mr. Football in the state of South Carolina. Um, and now Luke Doty, who's a quarterback out of, I think he got that fifth star, right? I think so. Depend on the outlet, but yeah, I think some have him as a five star. I think 24 seven got him that fifth star. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, he's coming into South Carolina real short. He's going to be here next, next season, obviously. And, you know, if you're must champ, like you've shown that you can recruit, this is kind of what started it. With Spurrier, when you think, you know, back to almost a decade ago now, uh, wow. But, you know, guys, you know, he had those two or three straight South Carolina Mr. Footballs and that kind of Alshon, um, Stephon Gilmore, I believe, was in there. Uh, yeah. Clowney was in there. Uh, Lattimore was in there. Did um, Holloman get a Mr. Footballer now, Devontae Holloman? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I know there was, but there was a string of a few of them right there that kind of yeah. started South Carolina's big run when they were, you know, went 33 and six over uh, three years there. And, and if you can recruit, like the ability for Muschamp to recruit in state uh, over your national champion two times in the last three years and possibly three in the last four, depending on how this 2019 college football playoff plays out. If you're getting Mr. Football in the state of South Carolina over them, I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, because it's literally they can look to the upstate. Like they can literally go two hours from your game to another game, and that's the team that's competing for national championships. So the thing now is literally you got them in here. You have them in the building. We have to carry on as an example. I saw Pickens got in a little bit this year. Developing. Just develop the talent. Like, get them in here. Let's develop these guys, turn them into – uh, what it blue chip whatever and go to the draft but just develop and that'll help you recruiting too because it's like hey he was good when he got here but he left here like excellent you know was able to go to the draft and produce in the NFL 
Yeah, that's where I mean that's where the coaching part comes in, right? That's that's the hard part. Like you can sell guys, like in the words of Muschamp, like you can sell ice to an Eskimo, but are you gonna like what are you gonna do? You know, once you get them here, right? Once you once you sold that ice, are you gonna be able to take care of that Eskimo? You know, make them a better Eskimo. Maybe sell them some more ice down the road. Maybe sell some ice to some different Eskimos. Yeah. Um, like, it, like you just got to develop these guys, and the on-field product has to get better for you to keep retaining recruits like this. Um, but, I mean, recruiting has been no joke at South Carolina since Muschamp got here. Like, he's definitely got the talent. I mean, we've said it time and time again. you got to play better. So yeah. maybe, like, Doty is going to be interesting with Walensky, you know, next year. That's going to be a battle. Uh, for who gets that starting spot, because um, they're definitely both very talented, and, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. All right, we'll move on to a little bit of a little bit of baseball talk. I wanted to talk. I know you're not a big baseball guy, Matthew, but I wanted to kind of stun you with some numbers, um, because I think I I don't the baseball crowd is, is not too big anymore. Like it's <laughs> I think it's me, it's me. You know, one or two of my friends and. Uh, the rest of the baseball crowd is like over 85. So Garrett Cole just signed with the Yankees, starting pitcher who just, you know, uh, played for a World Series in Houston. Fourth largest deal in MLB history. Nine years, $324 million. Nine years, three hundred twenty. That's almost that's That's, almost $40 million a year, right? Yeah, I think it works out to $36 a year. That is insane. That is three million dollars a month. Oh my gosh, that's some money. <laughs> three what million is, a month. What position does he play? Uh, he's starting pitcher. So he's gonna come in and he's gonna be their ace for sure. Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole, by the way, um, went to a certain school out west, UCLA, uh, yeah. and Garrett Cole got waxed by the South Carolina baseball team in 2010 of the national championship um him and trevor bauer both who just got trevor bauer is with the reds now uh who got traded during this season the 2019 season to the reds from cleveland um but yeah it, there's your connection to south carolina he, he he lost to south carolina in the national championship and in, in the college world series in 2010 but yeah it's that's so much money to you we can think about the things you could do with that that's what I'm thinking. How many times do you a pitcher? How many times does he pitch per month, maybe during the season? Uh, so uh, they pitch every five days. So as a pitcher, you know, 162 games. You're talking maybe 30 starts or something like that. And you're getting, I, I yeah, I'm, I get what you're getting at here. I would love to see how much like per uh, outing, like per pitch. I've seen those numbers with David Price, uh, who signed a. $200 million deal with 200 plus with the Red Sox um, a few years ago. And I think his average annual value is like $20 million a year. David Price is right now. And I've seen it, people on Twitter break his down last year to the number of, to the amount of dollars he made per pitch. And it was quite a lot. Um, I would love to see someone do that with, with Garrett Cole after the 2020 season, just so I can see how many, how many dollars like, if he gets injured on the first pitch this year, like first pitch, like he doesn't, he doesn't even have to make a start. He gets injured in spring training. The great thing about baseball contracts, they're all guaranteed. He's still going to make his $36 million. Like he's oh already signed that. Like that's, that's oh the argument. Like if guys, why would, well, I guess one could say, why wouldn't baseball? I'm surprised. Like, uh, I'm not going to call the higher ups, but like corporate, I don't know how you say it. 
Why do they make all their mon- uh, money guaranteed? Because does that like not really affect them in the best way? I know it's great for the athlete, but it's like I would think they would kind of take the more approach of the NFL so that therefore they could keep as much money as possible. Or is that just like a system that they've always done in baseball? It's Yeah, it's always been guaranteed. Well, it's been guaranteed for as long as I can remember. I mean, I'm only 22. So, or I guess it turned 23 as you're listening to this. So tweet me happy birthday. I'd appreciate it uh, as you're listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in my 23 years, it's been guaranteed. So it's crazy. Yeah. You, you get your money. That's the thing with baseball is like you, if you are that good and you can make it through the farm system, like, you you like you have to prove yourself with baseball, and the thing with baseball is you get paid for what you've already done versus paying to what people think you will do, uh, which is a little different with the NFL. Like it, it, that's just kind of how it works with baseball. And I think Garrett Cole got a bit of a combination. Like he was one of the most dominant pitchers, you know, over the last two three years here. Um, but it's interesting. Like you like it, this is so much money for a guy who I think you're going to get really like two or three really, really good years out of, and the rest you're, you're going to get, you know, like in like a number two, number three starter, maybe like as Garrett Cole's wow. t- like when this contract ends, he's going to be like 38 or something. Uh, maybe older than that, maybe like 40. I, I can't remember how old he is right now. I, I think he's going to be 38. I think he's 29. Like you're telling me in Garrett Cole's age, 35, 36, 37, 38 season, like he's going to be worth, $30 million a year. No, he might be worth $2 million. He might be worth $2 a year. Like that, it's, that is insane. That is crazy to think about. It's like, yeah, we're going to pay you. There's something happened with the Chris Paul contract, as a matter of fact. Like, we're going to pay you ahead of time. In the back end, it might not be the best deal, but when we have you in your prom, you'll be great. Also, uh, I don't know. Are you a CC Sabathia fan? Uh, I do like CC. CC just retired. Like, obviously, I'm a Sox guy, but yeah, CC is. One of the all-time greatest pitchers. So we're going to change gears for a quick second here. He was on the shop as well, and he was talking. They're like, what's the one of the coolest things about baseball? And he's like, obviously, you know, the money, whatever. But he said one thing that's really cool is, like, let's say it's a big game, 40,000 people, wherever, in the stands, and he's the pitcher, and he's like, so I walk out there, and the game doesn't start till I'm ready for it, too. And I thought that was, like, one of the best quotes I've ever heard from, like, a baseball that guy. That is really cool. Like, the game starts when I'm ready for it to start. And then so he's talking about things of that nature. But like you said, going back to it, that is huge money. That makes me want to go ahead and get me a baseball bat and just start practicing. Maybe <laughs> head over to the Fireflies and see if they can hook me up. That is so much money. And, oh, my God, and it's guaranteed, which is wonderful. That's kind of crazy to think about, like, these basketball and football sports, which are very, like, contact. Those are the sports that are non-guaranteed. Meanwhile, baseball, although it's very a difficult sport, is like that's the one that is – that's crazy to think about. But, yeah. Yeah, baseball, you get, like, the weird, like, injuries, like, you know, torn labrums, which you know all about now. Um, yeah. Like, Tommy – like, you get elbow injuries, like, you need Tommy John surgery, like, all those kind of, like – uh, functional, you know, um, injuries. But in football, like, you have guys like, we have a war on football because of CTE, and these guys can't get guaranteed contracts. I, like, I th- think in the next CBA, like, uh, the NFL Players Association is going to be able to at least, you know, up the percentage of the guaranteed money. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And, like, just as we were talking about this earlier, like, uh, like an hour ago, Three-time World Series champion Madison Bumgarner signed with the Diamondbacks. Uh, I love Madison Bumgarner. God, I love him. Crazy guy. Uh, five years, $85 million to Arizona. 
um, from, well, I guess he left San Francisco. So it'll be weird seeing Madison Bumgarner out of a Giants uniform. He's been there for just so long, like 10 years, whatever, however long it's been, was a pretty big, pretty instrumental piece in uh, San Francisco's most previous championship. I guess that was 2014. Um, yeah, it, it just, just great. Um, like, it, a lot of money. A lot of money on the table. Million a year, I've done the math. Great. Absolutely great. I congratulate him. I really wish I could go sit out with lunch with him. Obviously, he would pay. Just discuss what he's adventures <laughs> that he think he might go ahead and take part in. All right. Uh, so I'm going to say we're going to go ahead and say our, our thank you to Ben Sound for our music right here. Um, I remind you that this podcast is is brought to you by the Garnet Media Group, um, or a production of the Garnet Media Group, rather. Um, and go follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with the number one myself at Tyler Walters CNR. Um, and I'm going to, I got one more thing I get, uh, I want to get to, but I want to end on it and be done with the show. But do you have anything else that you want to say before we get to that? Uh, just wanted to announce really quickly that LSU, when we were talking about, uh, and my connection's kind of poor, so just bear with me if I go out. It's Skype. But, yeah, exactly. But uh, LSU, not only did uh, Joe Burrow leave with awards, but Jamar Chase got the Blenikoff. He finishes the year before the playoff, obviously, with 73 catches for 1,498 yards, 18 touchdowns, and Grant Delpit left with the Thorpe Award, which is given to the best defensive back in college football. Yeah, uh, two phenomenal players. Uh, Delpit hasn't really been talked about as much. He was talked about a good bit early in the season, like coming into it, but not as much like lately. And, and then, or not as much in the middle of the season. And you kind of hear his name at the end. A phenomenal, phenomenal player. Uh, where's the like, LSU number seven? Yeah, it's like they gave him the like. Obviously, like you say, he played well, but it's like they kind of gave him that award before the season started. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that like, a little. Because I'm sitting here watching them get blown. Like Obviously, it's not all his fault. But it's like teams are scoring a lot of points. This and I know he was hurt at one point, too. But it was almost like most people already had in their head he's the best defensive back in college football. And obviously, it's kind of hard with it being a team sport to say it's his fault or anything like that. But, yeah, I would like to see who else was on the candidacy. We may break down some film, but that's for another day. Yeah, and Jamar Chase, just phenomenal season. Uh, yeah. Like, kid is insane. Uh, LSU... Yeah, yeah, like we get to watch him again next year, like in our sport. So that's awesome. Before he leaves us and goes to the NFL, uh, at an incredible season. Um, yeah, really, really good year for Jamar Chase, uh, whose dad was on College Game Day a few, like a month or two ago, when was wearing like I think he was wearing a like a Joe Burrow shirt or I it, I don't know I can't remember his shirt it was. It was hilarious. Like it just had a bunch of pictures of people on it. It really, really good shirt. Like good support from from dad. Uh, I think he was wearing a, a number two like chain or something, um, or not a number two. Uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, God, what's Chase's number? Um, Jefferson's two. One. Uh, Jamar's one and Jefferson's one. One. Yeah, wearing the one chain. Yeah, good support from the parents. That was pretty funny. He was like, "Yeah, we." His uh, his dad was like, "Yeah, you know, like." He was pretty hyped up coming into here, and like last year he had an okay year, but this year like he sh- he showed it. We're proud of it. That was a pretty cool moment uh, to watch. But all right, what I wanted to end on, we'll end on a sad note, uh, unfortunately. But James Kennedy, better known as Radio, um, t- 
died today, Sunday. He was 73. Um, radio, for those of you that don't know, is uh, T.L. Hannah High School in Anderson, South Carolina, is the legend of legends in South Carolina High School. I think you have John McKissick from Somerville, who is the all-time winningest head coach in all of football. Um, and then you have, in South Carolina, you have radios right there, number two. Uh, radio was... So radio has a, he had a mental handicap um, and uh, back in the 60s, I believe, um, T.L. Hanna's head coach took him in and just kind of let him hang around the field and stuff. And he carried this transistor radio and we got the nickname radio uh, and, and just, you know, was an uh, instrumental part of the T.L. Hanna program and their school for decades. And radio passed away today. Um so I just wanted to give the Lee Block's thoughts and prayers to his family. If you haven't seen the movie Radio, um, I don't remember who did the film, but it came out in 2003. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just doing some re- uh, 2003 film starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, I can't say. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. And it was also it was in the early 1970s, by the way. Okay. Yeah, radio is. I mean, that's an incredible movie, Matthew. I know you've seen it. Um, it it's one of the the best football movies. It's not really even about football, but it's one of the best football movies, I think, of all time. Underappreciated a lot. I think a lot of people don't know about the movie Radio or haven't seen it. Um, God, it's incredible. Uh, it, it was, you know, just a really good story. Uh, radio is a really good dude. Um, so South Carolina high school football and TL Hannah lost a pretty good guy this weekend. Um, so we wish all the best to his family and his, all of his friends up in Anderson or in, in and around TL Hannah. Um, and that'll be it for the lead block for now. And hopefully we will see you on Friday. Yeah, most definitely. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.